1: You know, that's still pretty big, so there's that.
0: Yeah, and there's money.
1: There is money, and you can get your own place, so bam! Boom. So, uh, what, what, what the fuck is this thing called again?
0: It's called 72 Hours.
1: And, and what does that mean? Where did that name come from?
0: Okay, so... If you go to a doctor and they want to put you in the hospital, they can hold you for up to 72 hours for assessment.
1: So, but that's only for certain types of people, right?
0: Yeah, um, it's a mental thing.
1: Well, right, that's, I guess, yeah, sure, that's kind but of what that's, I
0: meant. I'm, yeah, well.
1: It, it, yeah. But what I'm saying is it's more involved, right? So there's got to be, like, some sort of special doctor. Or maybe just it's that, a general – like, walk, walk us through, like, how you go into a – I guess, regular ER, I suppose. And then um, during that stay at the ER, someone's got to say something to someone about like, oh, maybe we should put her, put her into a psych ward or some shit like that, right? Like, how does walk us through that?
0: So basically, the magic words are, I want to kill myself or hurt <laughs> That's myself. It. That's or it. that you want to kill or harm somebody else. Okay. If you say... I want to die, it's not the same thing. You Mm -hmm. have to make it clear that you have intent to hurt yourself or someone else. Okay. And they can decide to admit you to the hospital. So that's
1: different, too, though. It's not just yourself. They could put you in a 72-hour hold if you mention that you want to kill someone else. Yeah, if... Okay. you're
0: like mentally unstable and that's kind of what you went to the ER for sure yeah when you say you want to hurt someone else they can do that um I've been in the hospital before with a girl who was homicidal okay and that's why she was there because she, she wanted to, to murder the whole town <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I feel you're part of the whole town right so did she try to come at you
0: luckily she wasn't living in my town
1: Bam. <laughs> 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 all right Well, well how does she know that though like you're in the same hospital
0: Well, um, I lived two hours away from that hospital and then she lived an hour, the other direction.
1: Now, does this mean that when you talk to a doctor and you say all these things and they decide that you should be on a hold, um, does that mean that there's like one dedicated, um, I don't want to call them wards, but you get my point, a psych ward in for the whole area. Is it just Um, one to a certain area?
0: It depends. Some hospitals, uh, if you go to the yard, they have a behavioral, uh, like, ward. Sure. Um, But some places don't, or they don't have room, so they will Mm -hmm. transport you to... Another facility.
1: So they also transport you. You don't have to drive there.
0: Oh, the cops will do it, and they also handcuff you.
1: Those fuckers. And put you in the
0: back of the car, and it's really humiliating.
1: Yeah, I bet. Especially to be handcuffed. Why do they feel the need?
0: Because they think you're dangerous.
1: Well, of course I am. But that doesn't mean I want to kill the cops.
0: Right. I'm just dangerous to myself. (laughs)
1: Right. What the fuck? Yeah,
0: but... That's fucked
1: up. Um, speaking of many of the other things cops do, um... Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Add so, to the list. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: all right. So now I, I feel like we got a pretty good understanding of how you get into one of these places. How do you get out? Like, I feel like not everybody goes into these things willingly. Right. No. Exactly. So when someone's not there willingly, how do you get out of that?
0: OK, so if you go in not willingly um, well, even willingly. Yeah. Um, usually they want to hold you for five days at least, mm-hmm. and they will. Um, and they want to see you getting up out of bed, being out in the, like, common areas. Sure. They want you to be going to the groups and eating right mm-hmm. and eating well, taking your meds if you're on medication. And if you do all that stuff, they'll let you out a lot faster.
1: So say you're there willingly can you at any time even before five days um say i don't want to be here anymore i think i'm okay and they'll let you go
0: i've never had an experience where they let me go i've been in the hospital three times willingly and each time it was like a few days and i felt like i had the time to chill out kind of get back to where I needed to be and not so suicidal Mm -hmm. where I felt safe being home and they still get to decide when you're released. Okay. Even if you sincerely feel like you're not a danger to yourself right now that you feel it kind of recharges you into like, I need to keep seeing a doctor outside of here. I need to stay on my meds. Like it motivates you to do better outside of there because it is hard being in. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Would you say that these places actually do help, or what's your opinion on, uh, well, psych wards?
0: They help to a point, but it's definitely not great. Um, Sure. It's more of, there's always so many people, so it's a really fast process and not so personalized. And... Mm -hmm. When you're there, you see a doctor maybe once a day for, like, 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. then if you need to talk to them, you have to, like, leave a message for them. And then maybe they'll talk to you the next day. And it's just... It's really hard to talk to a doctor when you're in
1: This sounds counterproductive. The it is. Yeah. yeah. So, overall, not helpful?
0: Not so much. I mean, it does keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And then... It's kind of like a break from life. Yeah. It's, I mean, if you want to just sleep the whole time, you can sleep the whole time. I mean, you're not going to get out, but maybe sometimes it's just better to take a break from Mm -hmm. life.
1: So it's that they're only good for yourself being in a place that I guess you're not... Completely used to just to really think about yourself and decompress everything that's going on. Having that break and then getting out in five days—it's like a five-day decompression um, from life. But it's not helpful once you get for when you get out, right?
0: No, it's not really helpful because you know at that point you've spent five days away from work. Yeah, and even though people aren't supposed to fire you or. You know, look down on you for that stuff, they really do. Right. So it's kind of hard like that because people don't treat it the same.
1: It's kind of like that. Stigma around the idea of like, oh, I'm not going to take off work when I'm sick because if I take off work when I'm sick, then they'll give my hours away or something like that. Exactly. Right? What is, like, how do you know all this stuff? Is there more to your story? What's going on there?
0: Yeah, there's, I've had lots of personal experience in and out of hospitals. <laughs> Pretty uh,
1: proud of that. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> as inpatient and outpatient therapy. Mm-hmm tried lots of different medications um, until I finally found the right ones. Mm -hmm. So that's been great.
1: Like, did that take some time to find the right ones?
0: Yeah, it took a lot of time, um, like two years, on and off different meds, just Mm -hmm. maybe fucking me up more than it was actually helping. And I kept going off and getting really suicidal, ending up in the hospital. They have a test that's like a genetic test to figure out what meds will work the best for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody should just take that right at the start because that <laughs> would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of side effects.
1: <laughs> and is this uh, is this test uh, something you can just go to a doctor for and ask them about?
0: Yeah, I think you can definitely ask, but I'm not sure if it's covered under most insurance. Okay. I think I just got lucky, but it's seriously worth it. Is
1: if- there a name for it?
0: Uh, It was called the genome test.
1: Genome test. Okay. Yeah. So you can just say like, oh, I want to take a genome test um, to your regular doctor for my mental health. Is that kind of how you would phrase Um, it?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, It might be better going through a psychiatrist, but Mm -hmm. a regular doctor may know about it. I'm just not really sure because I didn't even know about it until... I was in outpatient therapy and they suggested it to me Yeah, and I was kind of shocked, like why isn't this more of a thing, especially if people have been struggling so hard to get on meds. It took me two years for them to even be like, hey, this test exists. So, that was frustrating.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be honest. Like, Well, first, I feel like it's probably um, good to mention that we're not professionals in any sort no. of fucking way. <laughs> um,
0: Just lots of uh, life experience through this stuff.
1: Right, and, and that's kind of the key here is that Becca's gone through her shit. I've gone through my shit. My shit's more depression meets anxiety, where I feel like maybe yours... It's kind of equal, but I feel like more so anxiety meets depression.
0: Yeah, I do have a lot of anxiety, depression. Um, I've not been properly diagnosed with anything but those two, but Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of speculation of being bipolar or borderline ADHD right but I'm such a crazy case apparently that nobody (laughs) can figure me out (laughs) I'm just crazy (laughs) I'm so crazy
1: yeah no I'm I'm kind of the same mine is more depression that has like a little form of anxiety, so like, you know, I, I'm pretty spazzed out. I guess every now and <laughs> then, especially like at work when it is a pretty, you know, high anxiety atmosphere. Especially yes, right stress. now, yeah. Stress
0: really gets me too.
1: Right. So when it's like real big stress levels at work, especially like right now with trade show season happening, I'm I'm a designer, right? So I guess that's pretty important to mention right now since <laughs> I just said all that.
0: And his name's Ryan. Yeah,
1: and my name's Ryan. But yeah. Yeah, that's the point is like in stressful situations, I can't get anxiety, but my problem is mostly, uh, my depression, um, due to like a lack of serotonin in my brain, the chemicals aren't connecting. So, um, they're just not, it's not working out for me, you know? So most of my depression leads to very suicidal thoughts. And that happens from sunup to sundown. The only thing that really helps is like my SSRI pills and my, um, Xanax, uh, which the SSRIs is like a high dose, whereas the Xanax is like a normal, regular, everyday dose, like I said. Yeah. So like the SSRIs really just like knock me out. But the Xanax is just like, now you're asleep. Yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have uh, the whole chemical thing, too. So I can't be OK, really, unless I take meds, yeah. which I've learned from lots of experience of going off my meds. Um, on an antidepressant, mood stabilizer, anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I don't need my anxiety meds so much anymore. Sure. So it's easier to deal with when the depression and stuff's under control.
1: Yeah, no, all of that I feel like is easier to control. Like, the anxiety portion of it is pretty easy for me once I can stop thinking of killing my sorry, Yeah, hold on. right? <laughs> it's easier for me to um, actually control my anxiety when I have my depression on a... Like, it, it's weird to say that, though. Like, it's not ever on a low, you know? But it's manageable at the time.
0: Mine, when I'm off meds, it's like, I'm depressed, but then I sink into, like, under the dirt, depressed, yeah. but then I'll come back up to depressed and it goes down to lower, yeah. and, but I don't ever get up into nice. Right. Moods. It's,
1: it's as see that's the fucked up thing speaking of sigmas, is like you'll, you'll see the cliche shit like on social media where it's just like oh life is like a roller coaster or my depression is like a roller coaster i'm always uh i'm not always down but i'm not always up type shit you yeah. know but it's like the up part if we were to actually like quantify all this shit like the up is never above normal You know what I mean? It's always at normal. There's never a happy, you know? Like, you never reach happy. It's always, like, real fucked up depressed to normal to back down to real fucked up depressed. It's It's never like an up above norm there's n- no climax here you know what i mean
0: <laughs> it's just, just like, like in bed yeah, exactly so like
1: even in bed you're just like yeah okay this is good <laughs> i like this sex i suppose without the
0: climax yeah
1: no climax just yeah this is good for now this is you all right
0: know, it's okay it's better than you know not having sex i guess right, right right and like life could
1: be worse just i guess going more into your story though like what would is there ever a time that you would say, um, that really kind of set you off or have you always felt this way?
0: I can remember feeling different when I was a kid and I did have depression starting out really young, eight or nine. My mom took me to a doctor a couple times for it. And I remember being in this old creepy therapist's office and he's having leather me draw chair. pictures yeah and a, on a leather couch like at this glass coffee table <laughs>
1: this is very obviously a therapist <laughs> from the 80s
0: <laughs> basically we're
1: very old but not that old becca yeah. jesus christ <laughs> yep
0: yeah, um but she stopped taking me after a while and i just kind of continued to get worse mm-hmm. uh through my teens i was kind of bad Um, When it really got bad was when I was 19. That's when I had my first panic attack. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I went to the hospital, had my first stay, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which was terrible.
1: Especially at, like, a young age, too. I feel like that might fuck you up even more.
0: Yeah, it was really scary because that was the time (laughs) I got handcuffed and put into the back of a cop car. Fun. You're in danger. Yeah, and had to ride two hours to a hospital in the back of a cop car handcuffed. I mean, if that doesn't scare
1: you straight, I don't know what Right.
0: (laughs) After that, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to get help. I can't do this again. I'm never
1: breaking (laughs) the law. So, anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so um, spent a lot of time at different therapists, uh, psychiatrists, doing Mm -hmm. outpatient therapy, staying in the hospital, um, having really big ups and downs uh, from going on meds to saying I don't need this shit and going off cuz I wasn't ready yeah. to accept being on meds yet. Yeah. Um and when I finally accepted that, I stayed on good meds and I've been doing pretty good ever since.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's like a really big portion in someone who deals with depression and anxiety like mental health in general on a daily basis like if it's a chemical imbalance, I feel like that moment in life where you realize and accept who you are, you know, and accept, you know, I don't want to say consequences, but consequences of if I don't take my pills, then I am this, you know, crazy, insane depressed suicidal person right but once you like accept your fate in a way yeah and you start taking your pills and you start being a healthy person and create those healthy habits i feel like again you're not happy but you're like normal and you say like oh actually it i can see it it's like night and day between like okay ryan and real fucked up yeah I want to kill myself, and I know how to kill myself in every room, depression and suicidal.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: so and that's like part of my issues as well it's like as as i mentioned most of my stuff is depressed and most of my thoughts revolve around killing myself every single day so and even after my pills like i just take them at night right so that way i can fall asleep and i don't have my night terrors that would normally keep me awake you know and and even when i fall asleep like i wake back up like every single hour yeah. you know like I fall asleep wake up in an hour fall asleep wake up in another yep, hour I do that too. you know so <laughs> it allows me to sleep but when I wake up I'm still suicidal and my thing with suicide is that in the rooms that I stay in the majority of my existence <laughs> so like my room The bathroom, the house in general um, My workplace, so like My desk, Um, my photo room at work You know, my my cutting board Which, (laughs)
0: let's talk about that For a second
1: (laughs) But, you know, the cutting board and shit like that Like I know in each room that I spend a lot of time In how to actually kill myself and with what you know like I know every single tool I know how to kill myself and it doesn't help I'm not OCD but like I have OCD tendencies yeah and you know having a clean space makes it really easy to know exactly what things can actually kill you where they are because you put them there <laughs> and, and just how to do it in general like efficiently you know so that's something, like, I deal with, and that doesn't ever go away, but it's manageable by creating, like, healthy habits, and maybe that's something we can talk about in a different um, yeah, episode. Definitely. But,
0: yeah, Yeah, one of the biggest things is people always getting so pissed when someone kills themselves, yeah. but, you know, it's like people look down on everybody who kills themselves, but it kind of is the biggest signifier of how sick someone actually is if they're willing to go against that instinct of survival Mm -hmm. to want to kill themselves that bad because humans are not supposed to do that where there's always this living things have an itch of survival that's always going to be there and if you're actively wanting to kill yourself every day i feel like you're really letting go of that last human instinct Yeah. And
1: I think that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, um, just because, like, yeah, you are giving up that last instinct as a human of, you know, survival, all the things you just said. But... Um, It's more or less your brain that is not working correctly because it's not releasing the endorphins, uh, the dopamine, all of that.
0: Yeah, but it's making you think, you know, that way. Right,
1: it's making you think the opposite of what it should be thinking, right? So it's more or less when you get to that point, it's not so much that you're giving up on humanity, you're giving up on any again. You're not giving up. That's not like when I eventually. Yeah, not like
0: conscientiously. You're right. Kind of
1: like, well, no, I'm very conscientious of what I I'm mean, doing. Like, right. When
0: you're giving up on stuff like that, it's not like this conscious decision. It's just kind of something that's happening as a side effect of the illness. Um.
1: No. Again, I'd say I'm very conscious of what I'm doing and what I want to do. Right. And again, yes, it is in a way a side effect of what you're going through like you're mentioning but what i'm trying to say here is that wanting to kill yourself isn't giving up it's like when i eventually do kill myself because i just i know i'm gonna do it that's what i don't want kids i don't really care like that's not something i want to put more people through you like, know When I eventually kill myself, I don't want anybody to ever say like, oh, he gave up or, oh, that was selfish or, you know, really anything along those lines. It wasn't selfish. I fought every single day to be here. I continue to fight everything in my brain to stay here, you know, and I'm here to help people who also have this battle and who go through this every single day like I do. Like, I'm not giving up. But the pain itself is too much. And that's what I feel people need to realize is it's not giving up. It's just like cancer where like, yeah. you know, it finally ate you all of these um, years or whatever that eventually your body couldn't handle it. And it, your body gave up really. Yeah. You know, so like it, it takes like when you have a disease like that, it like takes all of your essential like life out of you right yeah and so with suicide and depression it eats at your brain really it eats at your brain your humanity and your soul in a way so when it's doing all of that You're fighting to say like, no, I know what's really true. I know that this is correct and what my brain's telling me is incorrect. And so you're fighting off. That's basically your medicine, right? Like for cancer, you'd have chemo and it's correcting what your body's trying to tell you. My brain is telling me one thing. I'm physically or mentally telling it another that's the medicine, right? And saying like, no, I wanna fight this and no, I don't accept what you're telling me. That is the treatment. And at some point, some of us, our bodies don't accept that treatment anymore. And we end up saying, I can't do it. Like, this is it for me. You know, we make a conscious decision, kind of like how it's sorry to bring like (laughs) politics into this, (laughs) but kind of like how John McCain recently did. Like when he died of his cancer, he made the conscious decision that I can't continue to do this anymore. I know what my body's going through. And this seems like the end for me. And so he stopped taking his treatment and... You know, like three days later, he was dead. And it's kind of the exact same way with depression, suicide, what have you, mental illness. At some point, you know your body and you can make uh, the decision for yourself that I just I can't do this anymore. Like the pain is too much. And my pain personally, like it goes from the beginning of my shoulders to the very tips of my fingers. And it feels like you know real physical pain like it nerve damage pain you know like all throughout my arms and my hands and my fingers like I feel that like it's emotional pain but I feel it physically and it physically hurts
0: yeah my chest will always hurt yeah and and I'll, I'll get
1: that too sometimes like in my sternum yeah. It'll start from the beginning, like, sorry, it'll start from the chest, and it, it'll feel like it goes all the way through to my back, like yeah. someone stabbed me all the way through. Like, I get both of those things, so until someone who has also gone through things like this, like feelings like this, not just like, oh, my girlfriend broke up with me, sad me, which does add on to people who have a chemical imbalance that doesn't help but that's not what it is you know people who have a very real chemical imbalance have real physical mental pain outside of all of these heartbreaks all of these stresses in life you know so it's like those don't help but this is the real problem and the real problem is bigger than those little small world everyday problems right you know so when people tell me like oh you're selfish for thinking this way or what will your family think like bitch like you don't know my family first of all my family (laughs) understands like second of all one of them specifically my brother does not and he does he is that person and has told me many times like oh just think happy thoughts go fuck yourself
0: exactly because that just makes you feel shittier because you're like i'm you can try and think about being happy all fucking day long it doesn't mean you're gonna feel it
1: right and that's the point is that um you know there is a lot of stigma that goes into conversations with neuronormal normal people Mm -hmm. where it's just like i'm trying to get through to your brain how it feels in my brain. And I understand that no one will ever actually understand those feelings until, hopefully not, but until the day that they personally also feel that. And even when people feel that, you don't have a broken brain. You know, like you can feel remorse and you can feel grief, grief. Right. Grief, Yeah. So you can have all of those feelings, but that still is nowhere close to to feeling and being depressed chemically in your brain every single day of your life. Completely different.
0: And your brain kind of just makes up things for you to be upset about right and your brain
1: lies to you like
0: crazy scenarios where like this is definitely gonna happen and my life's Mm -hmm. gonna be ruined and it's just like this crippling fear all the time yeah and overthinking is a
1: real problem oh yeah yeah that's why
0: i'm up all the time i can't sleep at night because my brain won't shut the fuck up
1: (laughs) right but like having crippling depression having crippling anxiety or crippling you know fill in the blank mental illness that's one thing But the more important thing is that there are people literally right next to you at work who have functioning, functional mental illness. So like functional depression, functional anxiety. That's
0: me at work right now. Functional. (laughs) Right, But there's times I've been at work where I'm not functional. And
1: right. right. And and that goes with our own. Like everyone has their ups and downs. And within the mental illness community, like we have our major ups and downs. But when it comes to like functioning anxiety or mental illness in general, right? You can be at work and the person right next to you is going through these things and never know it. Not ever. I don't I've think had anybody people- at work
0: knows Well, they probably do. (laughs) Hey, come on. That's rude. I show my feelings, but not that much. Definitely not at work with all the robots. Yeah. (laughs) Customer service. I can't show my emotions. (laughs) Well, you (laughs) (laughs) can't.
1: But but that's the point. It's like you know with people whenever people die especially like really famous ones whether it's John McCain whether it's Mac Miller whether it's Phil in the motherfucking blank um, you always see just like especially with suicide it's just like oh reach out to your blank friends like reach out to your fucking your strong friends you know it's just like even your strong friends are weak like what, what are you talking the about the most
0: fucked up ones to be honest because yeah, they can help you with your problems better they can deal with their own shit
1: exactly and that's what functioning you know mental illness is is the people that you call your strong friends are probably just like you yep. except they hide it better that's it
0: definitely that is
1: fucking it so don't like at me when people say you know oh think happy thoughts don't fucking at me when you say like oh why didn't you reach out to so and so when they died before they died you could have nope fuck off like especially with suicide oh yeah you're gonna do what you want to do because you've made the decision and again you know your body the best i'm not here advocating for committing suicide that's horrible i don't want anybody to ever do that but as someone who deals with that thought
0: understand it
1: yeah Yeah, i can understand it and at the same time like my cousin's killed herself I've tried to kill myself eight different times. Like, I get it. I, and oh my God, don't even get me started on telling a neur- neural normal person how I've tried to kill myself eight different times. Cause they're just like, oh, get this literally happened like fucking a month ago. I was in like a discussion with somebody about mental illness. Someone had like recently killed themselves, you know? Yeah. And, I was just like having a conversation slash argument online about it and trying (laughs) to correct some ignorance about the subject, trying to actually help them understand why this could have happened, why I think the same way sometimes – not that it's right, but this is what we think, right? right? And when I revealed that I had tried to kill myself eight different times over the years, he goes, oh, well, I guess you're just not good at it. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, that is not funny. That's not okay to say. It's like, this shit's not a joke, it's you know? It's really
0: not, because if you're to that point you know you really need support and some fucking sympathy I mean I know he's just a stranger on the fucking internet but if he's gonna say that to you who else he's gonna say it to that's close to him and and that's the
1: thing like my brother directly related to me has said some real fucked up things and has made my depression worse in a lot of ways as well like it's just something that happens and it happens across the board whether they're related to you or not you know and it's just like well fuck me you know, like it, it fucks with your head, too, because you think especially if it's your own family, you, you, you start to th- believe your own thoughts where it's just like you're not worth it. You know, like, yeah, that's my, just, what goes through my head a lot. You're not worth it. Your ambitions don't matter. You no one cares about you type of shit. Can't so when you're anything own, right. Right. So when your own family kind of says the same things in a way. You know, it's kind of like justifying those thoughts and it makes you start to think about acting on them. You know, so it's just like words have meaning. And when it comes to depression and anxiety, maybe just don't joke about it. Like, it's not funny.
0: I mean, we're allowed to joke about it because we have it. Right. And and that's the the thing is
1: that no, it's totally valid, though. It's like, you know, people and, and. it's weird because a lot of people who are depressed and have mental illnesses say that as an excuse to post the most fucked up shit sometimes.
0: Oh, no. I'll just say in conversation as a coping thing. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. talking about how depressed I am. Let me make a joke because it'll make us all feel better for You're a Right. Second. But that's why I'm saying. Some
1: <laughs> jokes aren't funny. Oh, no. Some jokes
0: know? are not OK.
1: Yeah. And there are people who, you know, are in this community who make those jokes or post those fucked up memes about depression and shit all the time. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't this is why we have stigmas in our community, because people like you who are part of the community further these stigmas. You don't help. You're not an ally to yourself. And that's really sad. It really makes me sad. But at the same time, I'm just like, you know, it's one of those problems that They're still going to always be part of the community just because they have that same mental illness or a mental illness. But it doesn't mean that you have to accept what they say, you know, like, yeah. We have the right to make jokes about our mental illness. We have the right to make light, to escape the really fucked up things that we have in our brains every single day. But at the same time, you're not doing anybody favors within the entirety of the community when you make fucked up jokes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Especially just out of nowhere. I mean, if I make jokes, it's because I'm already talking about it and maybe in like a deeper conversation about it and...
1: And I just go both come ways. out with
0: jokes but also i'm not gonna you know there's things that i think are way too fucked up to say that i'm not gonna say and then if i do say something that offends someone i'm definitely never gonna say it again like yeah and, and that's like, another thing too yeah, like, like
1: i people, learn from yeah
0: shit. a lot of people won't open up and learn or listen or try to understand so we mm-hmm. just keep having all these problems and stigmas against us and yeah it's not fun
1: it's not, and it doesn't need to be there ever. But the fact that it is, it's kind of just like an no, another thing that you have to add on to your own depression. It's just like, what? Like, it's not like I'm waking up every day to be like, okay, what can I get offended at today, you know? Right. But it's also at the same level, you know, like I wake up and I log into social media and I'm just like, that's not okay. You know, like you could have just not said that you know and moved on with your life and try to you know just especially with people who don't have a mental illness to say just really fucked up things and when I comment on those really fucked up posts and I say what I say and they just go well that's your opinion I'm just like first of all bitch like I have this so it's not my opinion I live through it
0: that's the closed-minded easy way out well that's just your
1: closet one's worse though in my opinion it's like there's the people face value like straight up with you just say fucked up things just yep. there it is you know but then there's the people even within my own family who know I have depression know I'm very like vocal about it yeah who still say just like real fucked up things and I sit there like mouth open just like in complete awe like what are you what like I didn't expect that from you you know, yeah. I guess someone
0: some fucked up who, shit for my family too, right? Or even <laughs> friends.
1: It's the same thing. Like someone who you think is your friend, someone you think you can trust, and you sit there like next to them, or you maybe you don't. It's just social social media type of thing, where like you're t- even. I've had this happen where like I'm in another one of those discussions, quote yeah. unquote.
0: Um, <laughs> I love your discussions on Facebook. <laughs> All the tea
1: discussions <laughs> on Facebook, and like you're having a back and forth and it's not nothing's wrong yet and like say one of your friends is having this discussion with you right mm-hmm. so there's like three of you in this discussion but then your friend says something off as well and you're just like what are you doing yeah. like I don't understand yep. and so then you like have to Private message them like, dude. What? Wait, no. What the fuck? And tell
0: me you're not one of them.
1: Well, yeah. Like I, I don't say it that way, but yeah. yeah. Basically. Right. So it's just like you private message, and they still like they the audacity to like back up your fucked up values, your fucked up morals to like legitimately try to justify that is gross to me.
0: It's just. Also, it's just so hard because you know they're never going to care enough to open up and try to understand it. So yeah. If they're that dead set, what's going to get them out of it? Right. Maybe them getting mental illness is the only thing that's going to get them out of it. But yeah. I don't wish that on people.
1: yeah exactly that's that's the kind of the trade-off it's kind of just like if you could just fucking take my shit for one day just have
0: this for fucking five minutes even you'll
1: just for a day just just take it it. (laughs) exactly I feel like people would have like a better understanding and acceptance for people if that were to happen but that's not the case it never will be the case even though as much as I would want them to have it it just never will
0: yeah I feel like going through my stuff it made me more open and understanding to everything Mm mm-hmm you know, not at just the same time illness. to bring
1: in like some pop culture i think it's really great what's happening in games right now uh what's happening within like music right now as well where like people are actually starting to talk about these things yes people are actually trying to bring real awareness rather than like posting the fucking suicide hotline every yeah. september like I don't fucking need that shit either. I know the fucking number. I don't need your help finding it. Or I it. can
0: Google it.
1: Right. Like, like we all seconds. have Google. Thanks for we reminding have me.
0: Google at our fingertips all day, every day.
1: Right. If I want to fucking talk to somebody, I don't need someone to tell me where to go so I can talk to somebody about it. You know. <laughs> so the more, the most you can, the, something you could actually do that would actually be helpful rather than posting a suicide hot line number when nobody wants to talk to anybody in that situation you could just reach out your damn self and say like even when you don't suspect the person of feeling terrible that day you could think they're the happiest person that day just fucking reach out be a real human being be a friend even maybe and just say hey what are you doing how's it going you know, and just right. reach out normally. Don't just, especially when you suspect the person of wanting to kill themselves. Don't make it fucking awkward and text them right. like, "Hey, I know you're sad right now. Like, I know."
0: Just be like, Thanks. "Hey, you know, you want me to come over? We can just sit around watching movies, or right. we can go out if you want. Let's just whatever. I don't care." Right, if you just my sit favorite together. is
1: like, "Hey, do you want to come over for a movie night? Like, yeah. we're gonna have." be putting on this like you want to come over and we could have some chips Whatever.
0: Let's eat some chips, man. I
1: fucking love chips, but that's not the point. <laughs> all right, people know my people know me too well.
0: <laughs> so, to get Ryan over, just get a bag of chips, and he'll be there.
1: Make it like Doritos, but not like oh, Cool I'm Ranch. Sorry, we're
0: getting picky now. I
1: know. I am
0: like Doritos. I used to spicy be a sushi chef. Like fuck off. All right. Oh, but what Doritos? Yeah. I'm a sous I chef, do. and I'm picky about my Doritos. I do. Yeah. You should be making your own Doritos sushi. Should but I don't.
1: I don't Lazy. even have the equipment here to make chips. Oh, okay, yeah, I do. Never mind.
0: What do you need to make chips? Tortillas. Olive oil. That's not equipment. Those are ingredients, by the way. Oh I my god. Deepens. Well,
1: I was singing a fucking deep fryer. That's not the point of this. <laughs> Moving on.
0: Chips. God
1: damn. So yeah, the point is is that it's really easy to get me to come over, but the point is, is to actually reach out To these people and say, like, hey, do you want to do this event? Like, do something more than just talk to them, like, invite them to do something because not only does that give you like a set date to be accountable for, and you don't have to show up, you know, when someone, if even if you say yes, I'll be there, you don't have to show up and you should not guilt somebody for not coming. You should check up on them if they don't come, make sure they're okay. But don't hold them and get mad if they don't show up because, you know, they're going through a lot.
0: And they were still super thankful that you asked. Right. Just to be invited out is helpful sometimes.
1: And that's the point is that not only do you have a date to like hold yourself to look forward to look forward to right you have the understanding that that person who invited you wants you to be part of their life so that means that you that you matter to somebody right it's not that's the thing that most people struggle with um who are depressed or have anxiety because that often leads to each other right yep um is the fact that we don't feel that we are, uh, that we matter to people
0: exactly? You know, it's nice to feel needed sometimes,
1: even if you don't show up, it's just nice yeah. to feel needed or wanted within a group of people.
0: What gets hard is when all your friends are also mentally ill so. <laughs> you all go through these periods of being antisocial and then nobody talks to each other for so long and then all of a sudden it's like, I wonder how all my friends are doing. Right,
1: and what's kind of fucked <laughs> it's up It's been too. like six
0: months, oh shit. Right. You know, sorry, I was depressed, hey guys. And yeah. They're usually pretty understanding though.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I get it. I'm doing it right now. Right. But you know how like girls' periods, like if they're like in the same room for a long period of time, like over days, months, yeah. right? their cycles start sinking up yeah I've always kind of wanted that for me and my depressed friends where like we all just sync up like <laughs> depression and we're just like
0: antisocial social the same it going? time yeah and yeah
1: even like... when you're antisocial you just you're okay with them not texting you because yeah. you're not texting them exactly. either but then when you both come out of it you're both coming out of it so you text each other like hey wanna hang out yeah I'm, hey, I'm done on this bender
0: it's been three months I'm feeling better you feeling better <laughs> yeah bro I'm good let's get some ice cream
1: let's go for <laughs> beers get some beers yeah no that shit would be awesome
0: yeah that would be really i just want to sync
1: up cycles okay <laughs> oh shit no it's a uh, it's a real fucking thing and it's really sad that people still have so many stigmatizations behind it in our government that's not a word stigmatization <laughs> yeah i was like word.
0: wait a minute
1: Oh wow! anyway you get my point like it's a shame that there are still many stigmas surrounding the community that we live in unnecessarily but it's sadder that our own government doesn't help us like take care of our needs like basic fucking medication
0: i agree but it seems like a really hard thing to change when like we can't even get our own families to listen and understand right like you know, my mom, I live with her and every time I'm like a little sad or, you know, maybe have a panic attack, but that mm-hmm. happens very rarely now. But when it does, it's like... Are you taking your meds? Have you been taking your meds or you right. need to go see a doctor, blah blah blah. And it's like sometimes no, sometimes just, I'm just down and yeah. it's okay even though I'm on my meds to have a panic attack one right. day because even my panic attacks now they're nowhere near as severe as when I'm off meds and I yeah. know I'm okay. It's just I'm having a difficult day. Right. But right. they don't really get that. As soon as they see you having a shitty symptom then it's like, oh my God, they're going back. She's going to be suicidal and try to kill herself again, and blah mm-hmm. blah blah. It's no, I'm just having a bad day, and my bad days are just rougher than your mm-hmm. days,
1: you right? Know? Yeah, and that's a big thing too. Is where, you know, I feel like a lot of times where I. My job is stressful as fuck, especially right now during trade show season.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I feel like on Monday when my boss, who normally, like, he operates out of Twinsburg, Ohio, so he's coming here um, to basically rip us all a new one, even though, like, I've completely stayed on task. I've gotten all of my projects that I'm allowed to work on, which, again, this is going to sound really crazy when people say allowed. Like, yeah, you don't know my life at (laughs) work. (laughs) Like, this guy's insane Oh no,
0: micro, micro, micromanagement Well, like, in in a
1: weird way Like, basically I have these trade show uh, projects right now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. all of this printing, mounting, adhering All of these graphics to trade show booths themselves Or gondolas that we have our products on You know, all of these different things I've gotten probably, let's say 75% of it done The other... Twenty-five percent is adhering the big like booth graphics, like yeah. the booth itself. It's like a big tower, um, like square block. It's probably yeah. I think it's like. Um, Eight feet tall, something like that. I have to adhere these graphics to them. I can't because the last motherfucker who adhered his (laughs) graphics from last year on it, uh, because last year they were it was made in Ohio, Mm -hmm. so they adhered them in Ohio, and now I they shipped them to me, and I have to adhere them. And when he's like, "Oh, you need to take those old graphics off because we have new graphics that I made," right? That motherfucker put permanent adhesive on it, so you've spent the last three fucking days scraping this graphic off piece by piece uh, because it's, like, brittle. Yeah. So it's, like, you rip a little, it tears the entire thing.
0: Like trying to get a, it sticker off a lighter? The, exactly. <laughs>
1: That's exactly, it's a sticker. Uh, so I'm just, like, it's a big fucking sticker around this whole thing and we're, like, taking a blow dryer because adhesive comes yeah. off better if you have heat, right? Yeah. If you apply well, heat. So I'm, like, taking the heater, chipping away at this graphic graphic like Eight feet of a graphic, and it's taken us three days. Like, there's still some goo on it, but, like, he, the idea is, like, he's coming in and basically just rip us all a new one, and I'm just like, good fucking luck, because it's we not have everything fault. made. Nice. It looks fucking great. The last thing that has to be done is this booth, and the only problem is that there's still some goo on it. We'll take care of it Monday. Tuesday, we can adhere it, and it ships off Friday. Like, leave me the fuck so you're alone. So
0: you good. He's just exactly. being a dick.
1: He's the biggest of dicks. So, you know that, and that's the thing is that even at work, I deal with like real fucked up, shitty situations because of my boss or, you know, salespeople are dumbasses. Yeah. And, you know, I come home and, you know, I have people who walk up to me. and They're just like, "Hey, are you gonna do this?" Basically, like, "Hey, you wanna eat with us?" And I'm like, "No, I, I just, I'd actually rather not eat with you." <laughs> and it's mostly because you chew really loudly. <laughs> (laughs) I don't want to hear that shit. It grosses me out. Like, yeah, I have weird things about me, too. But on a personal note, I just want to fucking go downstairs. And, and like, it wouldn't be, I guess, so much of an issue if people would just leave me alone for the first, like, ten minutes even of me first getting home. Like, I explode and lash out the most when it's just, like... I walk in the door and just bam, like, here it is. Yeah, you're know, like, that leave time me the fuck alone relax. for a bit. Yeah. No, I get
0: that too, because I mean, I work in customer service, which is sometimes a challenge because I'll have days where I just have wicked social anxiety. Wicked. Um, I used to have social anxiety really bad
1: I know I and, went to high
0: school with you yeah <laughs> I fucking so, know. it's a lot better now but it is hard working in customer service sometimes so yeah. I'll just come home completely drained mm-hmm. like emotionally mentally everything and then I have a five-year-old daughter, so it's like I get home and that I don't bitch. really have time to chill out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's really tough, too, being a parent with mental illness.
1: Yeah, and that's just something I do not and will not ever want to experience in my entire life.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really hard when you're struggling to take care of yourself And any any energy you have left at Mm -hmm. the end of the day or when you have that kid goes straight into them. Right. And then, you know, sometimes I get way more anxious and depressed during those times because I'm just so tired. It's like I don't have the energy to be putting forth, but somehow I still have to dig it up.
1: Especially when you're doing it alone. Like being a single mom is already hard. Yep. Having depression on top of it and anxiety
0: working Again, a full-time so job anxiety.
1: it just you're <laughs> gonna break down several times a day. oh
0: yeah so i have my relapses yeah kind of i guess but you know it's not so bad anymore it'll mm-hmm. just be maybe a week of really bad depression a couple panic attacks through the week but then yeah. it kind of lessens and then i'll feel better for a couple weeks yeah so it's it's a lot better than it used to be you mm-hmm. know i'm not Suicidal every single day.
1: Just you know, four out of the five and six and seven.
0: <laughs> it's maybe like two all or th- of them, like two or three hard. out of a week, <laughs> maybe yeah. less. But it's not. Mine are
1: more frequent than that. Well, lucky that sucks. you. I'm
0: sorry. I mean, it used to be so. Yeah. When I'm not on meds, it's every minute of every day. I'm like, yeah. how can I kill myself? Oh, for
1: sure. When I'm not on meds, like that's what I was. I think yeah. I posted about it. Like when I first started taking my meds, like, well, I think it was like three months into taking my new meds. I posted something like, I, it's scary seeing the night and day of when I'm off my meds to when I'm on them. Like what you just mentioned, it's like me wanting to kill myself and knowing actually how to do it. Like I mentioned previously, every single moment of my life Throughout the entire day, when I'm off of my meds, yes. so when I'm on them, it's like, yeah, I know how to kill myself, but do I really want to do it? Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, you know, like well, I still eh. think of, I can do it, I know how to do it.
0: Yeah, but I don't I, need to. I do get it. that too. I feel like once you've been so suicidal for so long. It's just kind of a coping mechanism after a while. It's yeah. like, well, you know, shit's bad, I can always kill myself kind yeah. of thing. Like it's
1: kind of this understanding it's of It's like yeah, you a small do comfort. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a really weird soft comfort. Yeah. Like, I don't need this drug right now, but, like, I could totally take it later, right. you know, where it's kind of, like, the opposite yeah. <laughs> of, of alcoholics, where they're just, like, I don't need to stop, I can drink, I'm fine, right. you, know, it, you know, or for drug addicts, same idea, yeah. like, I can quit anytime I want to, exactly. it's the same thing for suicidal people, where it's just, like, I could kill myself, but, you know, I don't need to, right, like, yeah. I could do it later, <laughs>
0: like, breakfast sounds really good in the morning, right, so but I dinner, just like, around.
1: mom, can make anything, and we don't know <laughs> if she's going to make it right.
0: <laughs> Could be Meatloaf again, man. <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm me. out. <laughs> That's,
1: I would kill myself just if anybody brought me Meatloaf. I'm like, nope. Seriously. This is the worst it's ever going to get.
0: If I was starving to death and somebody brought me Meatloaf, I'd
1: be like, I'm
0: done. But bye.
1: Fucking done.
0: Goodbye, Chloe. Cool Slice world. my own throat. Meatloaf.
1: Ugh. Like, who even came up with Meatloaf, for real? Like, A
0: sick person. I feel like, it, like as meat.
1: Irish as I actually am, I don't feel like it was anybody but the English. Like the English oh, it had I been,
0: swear. Ketchup? Where's ketchup That's from? what I'm saying. Isn't Tomatoes. Ketchup- yeah, no. I know what. Serious? No, I know what it comes from. <laughs> I meant, where was it made? Like, invented? Oh, I don't
1: fucking know. I like, it we could sounds look it like
0: up. a for sure American thing.
1: Like, you would think so, but the name Heinz, you know? That's definitely German. <laughs> All right, so, factoid, real quick. Ketchup. Fun pack. Yeah. Ketchup comes from the Hokkien. Oh, I can't say this. Wow. Hokkien. Hokkien. I don't know. H-O-K-K-I-E-N. Chinese word. Not going to say it. (laughs) Um, And basically, the name of the sauce is derived from fermented fish. Yum.
0: But it's not...
1: It was apparently believed that traders brought fish sauce from Vietnam to Southeast China. So that's where catsup
0: comes from. Who decided that it should go on a loaf of ground of meat. meat
1: yeah yeah i don't know again this is where i think the english come into play here with all their really fucked up food items
0: a loaf of meat so i'm telling you okay
1: i'm fucking telling you uh,
0: only breads are, should be in loaves right Ugh. right
1: and especially again even with just bread don't put ketchup on bread
0: no it's weird unless it's Uh, under a hamburger bun sure well yeah obviously never a hot dog chicago yeah
1: (laughs) but my point is like even (laughs) still like all of that is fucking gross don't do that don't be that guy or girl to put ketchup on fucking meat like don't be weird
0: yeah don't be weird (laughs) <laughs> don't tell me to be happy.
1: And don't tell me to not be happy because I'm already there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but that—that's kind of the thing, you know. Um, just, I think, be mindful of people's. Be mindful of people's triggers first of all.
0: Yeah, and, definitely, people you're super close to.
1: Yep, and be mindful that people have them in general. So, just. Be conscientious and be a good person. I feel like that uh, alleviates a lot of that.
0: Kind of think a trigger is a mild inconvenience. Right yeah this isn't
1: political science here like this is real science uh i feel like a lot of politics ruin a lot of things and add to a lot of things as well one of them being triggers i love politics too (laughs) like it's the best fucking reality show we have
0: seriously right now for sure
1: yeah so point is is that triggers are real they're very real especially for someone like myself who uh used to be an ex-cocaine addict like super just like skin and bones my girlfriend at the time used to call me the statue of david you know like that's how fucking skinny i was you know well with that said statue of david actually was built he was healthy at least this the statue version of him (laughs) but i was not i was very unhealthy i i eat even to this day, like hot pockets, not hot pockets, oh, (laughs) gross, (laughs) um, pizza rolls every fucking day, you know? So it's like, I am not the, you know, physical embodiment of health and, you no, know,
0: I remember pictures of you from thing. those days. It's you look yeah, I look frail. Yeah, you looked very, very small.
1: Yeah, yeah, small is a good word. Um, just skin and bones. That's, yep. like, all I was, and it wasn't a good thing. So even people just, like, talking about the movie Blow, like... Blow being a word for cocaine, uh, that gets my mind racing already to other words for cocaine that makes me start to think of like, hey, I know I could do three lines right now, be totally fine. Um, That gets me thinking like how many lines I have done in the past, like when I was on like the peak of my uh, addiction, you know, like doing fucking, oh, it doesn't matter. point is... Too much. (laughs) The point is, is that... I used to do a lot of blow I used to do a lot of cocaine and I have taken many other drugs on top of those things as well um, again that was all when I was like self-medicating as well I wasn't actually getting my prescription drugs from a doctor who was qualified to tell me what would actually help me yeah and this is a whole separate episode in itself but like this is the type of stuff that I start thinking about and then that same pain that I described earlier that goes from my shoulder to my fingertips yeah. that comes up again again and i start like feeling that pain it becomes like this desire in me to want to have cocaine here right now like yeah. immediately so i could just do a whole line just get it out of my system and be fine but knowing myself if there if i did one line there's more there so like i'm gonna do all of them.
0: yeah so
1: so you know I don't, I've blocked a lot of people. I've deleted a lot of friends who I thought were my friends just for the simple fact that they currently did cocaine would invite me out. To do well, they would invite you out just to like go party and shit, like but you know, it in
0: front of you or around right. you, right? Well, that yeah.
1: came as a secondary. So, like, my first when I was like, I'm done, I'm, I went cold turkey. So, when I went cold turkey, I was just like, I don't want to associate myself with the same people I know currently do cocaine,
0: yeah. You so, I deleted change. all of yep. those
1: people, and then for the people, like you just said, where they would would invite you to parties and you go out speaking, thinking, oh, we're just going to go drink and we're going to have fun, whatever, right. a party. And then they do it in front of you. You're just like, I don't know if you know this, you should, since you're my friend, right. but I used to be a cocaine addict. This is not okay right now. Yeah. You're
0: just thrown straight back into that mindset. Right. Yeah. Um, my trigger. And is- then people
1: justify that too. Right. Like, oh, well go away then. Like, Okay, I will. Well, Bye. why'd you
0: invite me out? If you, Like, what right. the fuck? But I was in an abusive relationship for a while. Um, so my triggers throw me into, like, panic attacks yeah. and things like that. So, you know, like yelling or mm-hmm. people slamming things loudly and things like that can really trigger me into just instantly freaking out. Yeah. Because it just puts me back into that mindset where I was getting screamed at and thrown around and shit so Mm -hmm. that's you know triggers i guess manifest in different ways and and i've
1: you know i can relate to that as well like a lot because um as a kid i I was abused physically by my dad who's a pastor Um,
0: pastor dad
1: (laughs) pastor dad that's what we're gonna call him so pastor dad (laughs) um he would do a lot of the same things as well you know and I remember, like, staying in a closet, being completely silent, like, after having acted up in the middle of service, you know, and him, like, he would oftentimes, like, stop in the middle of his sermon to, like, say, like, Ryan, you need to settle down. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's fucking embarrassing. Especially as a pastor's kid, like, real fucked up. So, in the car, he would just, like go off on you like really fucking angry and like yell at you blah 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 so you know like as soon as you got in and he would even tell you straight to your face sometimes like as soon as you get in there go to my room blah 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 and you just fucking knew so there were times where I would actually just like go in the closet and be as quiet as I could playing like a game of hide and seek but in this game like just don't find me in real life like for real just don't do that I don't like when doors are slamming as well because you know my mom and my dad argued all the time as well so they would slam doors often. it reminds me of that those are the things like back in church and whatnot the big thing lesson that they would teach you is like oh don't listen to this type of music because i've listened to that type of music and whenever i hear it um like at the grocery store something like that it'll take me to that place again. And it's true, and that's how triggers work. Outside of music... A, a door slamming even tripping and you fall like sometimes that like hitting the ground will remind you of an abusive situation just like
0: a dose of fear from anything yeah. sometimes yeah. yeah so you know
1: people get triggered and it's not a joke either it's a very real situation and a lot of these things you know you have no control over no. but they happen so mm. i just be a good human be a friend and yeah. even with people who aren't your actual friends, still be friendly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just be a good human. Yeah. That's it. <laughs>
1: for those Christians who say they are Christians, start fucking acting like it. <laughs>
0: Yes, please. <laughs> Jesus. All
1: right. So that's going to be it for us today. But, you know, feel free to check yourself in. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Facebook, I feel, would be really easy. Just looking up 72 hours is going to get you there. Um, but if not, can you hit us with those handles, Becca?
0: All right. So at Twitter, we're going to be at 721 hrs 72 hours uh Uh, facebook is 72 hours our email is seven t w o h r s at gmail and our instagram is at seven to the number h r s
1: all right cool so that's where you can really reach us and follow us Uh, we don't really have too much right now but we're going to be posting some stuff on with that said if you do have questions if you want to even just write us a story say you know whatever you want to say even if you have like a question that you would like us to go over in one of our future episodes we'll absolutely talk about it feel free to reach out to us um in our email that way if it's like a long worded thing you want to say yeah if it's real simple just go ahead you know hit us up on one of our socials and we'll we'll get back to you
0: tag us
1: or don't (laughs) (laughs) all right well this has been 72 hours check in next time